0: show we take a walk down memory lane in newcastle new south wales this still city where coal trucks ran 24 7 and wharfies were everywhere and we find a vibrant lgbti community in the late 60s and early 70s with wine bars cabaret shows and so much more glenda jackson welcome to lgbti conversations thank you so much so what was it like growing up in newcastle in the good old days born in the 50s
1: early 50s and a teenager in the 60s wasn't too bad i was always a little bit girly when i was young and people could actually see that never had of a hassle in the 60s went to school at newcastle junior boys are very active in sports and all that sort of stuff when i was young never had that much trouble and i never liked the
0: confrontation and do you think that like growing up in the 60s was a little bit more easy. It was a bit of free love kind of a time.
1: Oh, God, I'm, I'm, a, flower power, I'm a flower power person. <laughs> when you think of it like that, yeah. But I it,
0: it was people just kind of letting let live. I suppose coming, you know, we had the 50s, which was a pretty kind of formal era. But then the 60s, we had your generation come out and just go, let's live and let's be ourselves and let's be free and who cares?
1: Yeah, my um, my father was a, a boxer when I was, before I was born, and he uh, was a wharfie, so they knew from an early age that I was a little bit different. And my father and my mother were lovely to me. My father never raised a hand to me, even though he could see. Like my father was uh, from a group of five brothers, and some of them were professional boxers, and never had a, a real
0: conversation with my father about anything. Yes, if you know what I mean. Well, it was a was a different time, and also Newcastle itself was a working class town at that time. It was yeah. a pretty blokey bloke place. Oh God,
1: yeah, but so I was fine. I'm reason i was by my dad's side and that was it i always got protected uh, like no problems with anybody and my sister actually was lovely as well they all knew that but well eventually knew about me
0: so did you have a coming out per se or people just knew and accepted and, and kind of moved on
1: i was just just the way i am and how i was no need to explain i, I didn't officially tell my mother and father that I had packed it, had, and they knew I had my face done. Mm. Um, my mum and dad came up to see me at Royal Newcastle Hospital in private rooms and my face was wide together and my mum took one look at me. I'd already had my tits done then and my mum, they didn't know I had my butt done and I was working as a girl. They all worked at the Star as a barman, but nothing else and nothing was ever said to me. And um, my mum and dad come and saw me because they brought her up to Newcastle Hospital. And mum took one look, cried her eyes out and walked out. Couldn't believe it. My dad was so lovely. He was up there, you know, They me. Mum had a little bit of a connection. My sister had already been in shows with my brother and everything over the years and seen me strip and all that sort of stuff. They were, the sister was fine, but they never told mum and dad. And when I was 30, as, um, I had to sit down and tell mum and dad. And my sister, Nat, stay away for a couple of weeks. Don't go home. I went, okay. So a couple of weeks later, I walked in the house and dad said, what in the bloody hell are these things on your chest? What are these? I said, dad. I had my tits back. I've been working as a girl for years, and this is how I earn a living. I said, this is how I'm working. Uh, and he was fine up to a point, right? Well, what do you expect? You know, warfy. But Dad was fine. He said, look, we both love you. You're our son. You're more than welcome home any time you know that. He said, but don't ever bring an in-trouble home. And and for all those years, I had my tits done. My mum used to do a roast chicken dinner every Sunday. Bloody roast chicken dinner. Lovely. And I used to go home in the middle of summer or the middle of winter with a leather jacket on because I had a motorbike then. And I used to go home with a leather jacket on in, 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 uh, on Christmas Day and i take it off. Keep the peace. Because I had my tits done. And I wasn't about to confront my parents with my sexuality. They knew I was a bit, tra- you know, a bit strange, well, homosexual, but they never, ever, ever said anything to me. And when I had my tits finally out, I, um, I didn't even tell them. And I went home with just a t-shirt on and never said, never said a word. Do you
0: remember the first time you'd done drag? Oh, God, yes.
1: When I was in like, like teenage years, I was hanging around with a few drag queens uh, that I'd sort of met through the pubs and that. Because I was a little pub queen when I was <laughs> But I wasn't doing drag. I was just, you know, just a, bo- a boy. Trixie Lamont, of all people, came up from Sydney with the uh, Denise Jarrett, which, which was drag queens of Sydney. those days, to get away from Sydney for a while. And it was in the laneway next to the Star Hotel in Newcastle, Kurt's Coffee Lounge in the laneway. Uh, Trixie was living upstairs. I always remember it. Trixie was living upstairs. And anyway, they, they got a booking for South Newcastle League Club. And they asked me if I'd do it. And I went, oh, okay. So the first time I ever went there, first time I ever did a show, I worked with Trip to Lamont, Chris Ambler, and a couple of others at South Newcastle League Club, and I remember wore a green. Bikini set, and I did love Lovers Like Seesaw, Jerome yeah, Morris? and one of my tits fell out <laughs> in, the bik- in the bikini set.
0: <laughs> oh, really? First oh, time true. out. Always oh,
1: remember it. Uh, Judy Allen, um, who was at, with us at the Star Hotel, pre sort of beginning of the Star Hotel, was the leader of the Trip Living, and she was totally deaf and dumb, Queen. She was fabulous. Uh, oh, you could never talk to her about it behind her back because if you just saw you uh, reading your lips, she'd hit you. <laughs> but she had a good heart. That was memorable, and I've never forgot it. And what was the crowd like back then? In what year? That's the only thing I Remember, uh, <laughs> must but, have had the, fun. The fact that I did, I'm worried. I did two. That's Entertainment was the production number from Studio Girl and That's Entertainment. I remember that much. And then we sort of got the pub at the time, then was uh uptown, and our friend Vicky was on with the licensee, and he was closing and selling. In, I think it was in Watt Street, I think. There's a pub on the left. Oh, it's gone now. M-Bar or something's there now. There that night that the police came up and you know said, wanted to shift the gay crowd down to the Star Hotel at the back bar. Five or six of us, including my friend Warren and Vicky and me and Judy, all got taken down by the detectives and introduced to Bob and Mary Tyndall at the Star Hotel and the back bar, which used to be called the parachute bar. That was the beginning of everything.
0: The police was recruiting drag queens for Newcastle. No,
1: I, no. It was a case of uh, keeping everybody in the same place and keeping their eye on people. Rather than have them go all different places, they had them all in the one spot, which was easier. Because that was the very late 69, something like that because the pub was apparently struggling, and it was a huge pub. And then after a few months, we ended up in the big main bar, and we used to do drag numbers on top of the bar hanging onto the ceiling. Really? Yeah, because it was a pressed tin ceiling with the gum supports that you could hang onto. And we used to mine to the jukebox early back numbers and those days. And then we were there for quite a while, or years, a couple of years, I think, and then Bob and Mary Tyndall sold it to Lloyd Moffat or saw the lease to Lloyd Moffat who was a uh, Newcastle businessman and um, he was nice to get but and he could see the potential of what we were doing so he moved us up to the notorious gay bar and there was a little alcove in the bar next to the men's toilets, for how <laughs> next to the men's toilets, and there was a little alcove and there was a little door so we used to get dressed in there and come out and do little numbers to music or jukebox, which was alongside it. And that was the beginning, late 60s, early 70s. I used to wear a bikini set, diamante in the navel, and a little feather thing in the crack because I was, I was so sweet then. And that's all I used to wear, do a number. So in the late 60s, that was very daring. Now, you've got to think about this. I was a stripper at the Sky Hotel for nearly eight or nine years, and I used to go down to nothing. Almost, almost like a Friday, Saturday night for seven or eight years every week. Think about that for the 70s. And we never got raided, never got arrested, anything like that at all. We've packed the place. Because you could see we could do shows and everything, And Judy was still with us and Chris and all that, we got shifted up to the dining room upstairs, which was quite a good size. So we had a cabaret upstairs. Judy used to do Liza Minnelli, number, Mammy, my Mammy, and she used to have little stuffed animals. She used to bring the house down. Everybody was crying because she was so good at what she did. And people could see that she was a star and she had them crying during Mammy.
0: In the early 70s? Yeah,
1: I'd say 70, 70, 71. We used to make, in the till, as I said, early 70s, um, we used to make $1,000 a night in the gay bar. And that was an awful lot of money in those days.
0: Especially for that era too.
1: Oh, God, yes. And then I remember we went from upstairs. To the, down the laneway at Star, where the gay bar was, up from the men's toilets in the laneway, there was big rooms, massive big rooms. So we ended up having a theatre restaurant and late night drinking after the pub closed, the got closing in those days. So we painted the whole room white. Warren Duke was with us then too, my friend Warren. We painted, and then we stenciled the walls black. So it was like white with stencil walls that looked like wallpaper. Very classy in the, in the late 60s, love. Full stage. We had about Oh God! We had Philip and Gary with us. We had Penny. We had Stella. Stella came with us as well in production, show, and everything. I remember this irresistible Paris original from had a succeeding business without really trying. Had a full costume and change and everything, and that in a little like a little theater restaurant. Wow. And it was just go till three or four in the morning. <laughs> Exit by the main gate at uh, the Star. Uh, discreetly if you don't mean. And the detectives used to come down and have um, drinks with this and everything.
0: What kind of people were showing up at the the cabarets in and, and the gay bar? Tra- straight and gays. Uh,
1: it was a myth. I mean, we got on with everybody. It was a novelty in the late like, like 60s, early 70s. Johnny Grimes could see the potential of the gay bar and he gave us money to the costuming and all that sort of stuff and we'd put shows together.
0: Was there any other uh, scenes in Newcastle at the same time or, or that was the major one that everyone... That was then, but later on there was a,
1: a wine bar at a, at a Hamilton. Uh, it was on the corner where the ha- hairdressing uh, salon is now. It used to be um, Sight Savers. He sold it. Donny Graves shifted this moved this into the main bar again, and he even built a stage for us. Everything at the, at the Hotel. And I I worked there for a year. I was my main job was a I was a cleaner. I was a housekeeper. I was a babysitter. I was a barmaid, I was a man, and and an international showgirl for all those years. Jack of all oh, trades. Oh, 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 God, yes. Then I decided to have my bus done. That made me one of the girls. So years later, I had my face done. That was a major surgery, but I was still employed at, at the start. And one of our main shows that we put together was the Pallone Range Comedy. Kenneth Williams was in it, and it was high-cance thing. And we used to do the Pallone Ranger. And I used to do the ranger, of course. And Stephen, at one stage, was managing the hotel then. We did this Palone Ranger show for about two or three years. Every photo Saturday night. Oh, my God. Everybody and their dog used to know the, every single word of the whole show. One night, one of the buddy's speakers fell on me. That was hysterical. Again, Donnie Graves built the stage. and There was a doorway that went from the little lot to the, the main bar where we were. He we blocked it off, and, and we had a little alcove to get into well, he got um, people in to make it higher. So we used to have to step up and, and bend down to get onto the stage. Well, he cut that out so we'd just, just walk onto the stage. So that's how much he thought of the Queens that worked for him.
0: Was there a, a lot of Queens in, in Newcastle at that time that you knew? The, the lovely place was packed every
1: Friday, Saturday night, and during the week. I used to work in the main bar of the front bar as a boy with a receding hairline with his. <laughs> wow. Like, I, I, and then sometimes I'd work in drag. And I'd have a little, little low cut top on, and, and uh, I'd have all the surfies on my side, and my friend Lorraine who from the 70s, and I'm still best friends with Stella Starlight Bar, was the name of
0: the gay bar, Zaha Hotel. Yeah. Was there much crossover between Sydney and Newcastle with the drag queen scene? I used to. Well, well yes, because Judy, as I said, Judy, who
1: was a Newcastle dancer, but it wasn't professional dancer, he was a very, very good dancer. He ended up going, there was, there was a Vicky and Judy. And Elizabeth as well, they all end up not staying as the main show of the star. That was me and Stella and Diane. Vicky was, the young Vicky was so beautiful. She used to work for Martin Delaunay, which is where that, that pub is in Derby Street now on the corner. That used to be an electrical place. And Vicky used to work because her father got a job there. At Martin Delaunay, Vicky was so beautiful as a boy the early early 70s so beautiful i used to think she was a girl shirt and tie she was that pretty did a few shows with it, uh the stars in the back school room and everything well she ended up going to sydney and she got poached by low girls oh really she was ah oh, she was beautiful just was prettier than carlotta could ever be she was that and in that color was done when she was young becky was was soft and just just grew up as a girl and she, she was, and Judy went down to Lay Girls as a comedian and was there for 12 years. Judy was Lay Girls. And Elizabeth, who was a, uh, started off as a bloke with a black beard, she ended up stripping at Lay Girls and everything. She was had lost all the beard with hormones and everything. She was just stunning. So some of the Newcastle queens ended up at Lay Girls. Also, Bubbles went to Lay Girls as well as a comedian and worked for
0: Aid Saffron. So it seems like start. Lay Girls cleaned up half of Newcastle's drag scene.
1: Before I was out, there was a queen. Uh, in Newcastle who was living as uh, as a girl, named Monique St John, who became Simone and Monique's playgirls. So Monique St John was that beautiful, she went to work at Lay Girls, in, the, in the, one of the original Lay Girls, and in the 60s, 60, 63, 64, with Carlotta. Carlotta came a few years later. At the, she wasn't at the beginning of Lay Girls, as far as I can remember. If you look at the old photos of Lay Girls and, and, the, and the the posters and the uh, menus they used to have, Carlotta's face on one of them was superimposed on one of the menus because the queen that was in the lineup up had left and Carlotta just joined the show. So, Minimix and me, John, who was beautiful and a stripper at lay Girls and also in the moment Lay Girls, was just beautiful statuesque. She's living up on the Gold Coast, not far from Carlotta now anyway.
0: Oh, Carlotta on the Gold Coast now?
1: Yeah, it's been there for years. She's doing guest spots in uh, Priscilla the Musical up on the Gold Coast at the Star Casino. And Savonni ah. from Adelaide, who was, uh, used to be in Lay Girls, the original Lay Girls as well, who looked beautiful still to this day. The only training in the world that's done Priscilla as a, as a self is just magnificent in it. Sydney Sheldon, who was the Sarah of the original, even came and seen the show and gave a big host and told us she was fabulous. Been a support act with Carlotta as well, for Carlotta, as the main building, and made support act for her over the years. Carlotta, you've heard of and each play Girls.
0: Yeah, I've heard of that.
1: Oh, just magnificent. All trannies, all from X-Play Girls, if that's the word, and uh, just magnificent. The Queen Simone, who's died now, had the foresight to think this is spectacular. And if you go through, there's a Facebook page for for Playgirls anyway. The costuming and the production was just magnificent. That was the first Australian show to ever go to England as a headline act. Yeah, they were just beautiful. But my niece and John, as I said, was a Newcastle queen who went low girls, and and still lives as a woman now. Just looks, it looks beautiful. She's on the go, as I said, a couple of uh, a couple of tablets away, uh, apparently from um, Carlotta. So we stayed at the start, me and Stella and a couple of others. And I used to go down occasionally when I got a Saturday night off and do guest spots at Lay Girl in the 70s and
0: late 70s. Did you ever think of going down there full time and, and trying to do something like Lay Girls? No, I had my family
1: here. I was happy enough here. And in the early 70s, I got a boyfriend and that lasted about eight years and I was happy enough. Everybody was open, everybody was fine and the the rock bands and everything and up down the back and occasionally Stella used to go down and drag and photograph oh, a dreadful photograph of Rick Point Poynton's bloody book there's the worst photo of me ever with my old face oh my god Rick Pointen, um contacted me said he'd used the photo and I went that's very nice I went and had a look and I didn't buy the book <laughs> but, but it was a very, very interesting read but I thought oh, how could you use that old photo but we used to pack the gay bar as I said and it was friendly and open and we had a a couple of nights where we had fights in the bar, and Teller would jump in and and punch people out. I attacked one guy. <laughs> I attacked one guy one night with a hammer. Oh wow! Oh god! Yes. Yeah. There was occasional fights. We always got rescued because we were the stars of the bloody show. Then, yes, everybody used to come to see Teller in the satellite bar, and that. well, I end up leaving and starting my own show. And- I worked for Bubbles Legay, and we end up opening Romeo's Theatre Restaurant.
0: Oh, really? Wow!
1: For years and years and years, me and Bubbles and the Bridges. I think there were two other queens that come up from Sydney at Bub. Uh, I went from the star to my own show, and that closed. And then I went to work with Bubbles up at uh, an open Romeo's Theatre Restaurant. But it was it was called Show that was there was run by a theatre company and and Bubbles went up with the management to look at the show. And it was a massive big stage at Old Pipers. Massive. And it was... (laughs) I remember this one. The show was called Little Miss Muff, And on the stage was all these doors. It was such a big stage. There was entrances for everybody to come through. Anyway, it was that bad, the show. No one cracked the finale. Oh. No one. It was dreadful. Anyway. Um, had to talk to the management. They were lovely. And a few months later, we opened to packed crowds. Absolutely packed with straights and gays because we were builders as, as a, an answer to lay girls in Sydney, see? And uh. I was stripping then as well. And I stripped to Star Wars in a silver cat suit and Sweet George Brown, Nancy Sinatra. And Bubbles was the comedian then. And a Maori island queen named Bridget, who was beautiful. And she's still alive, still living in the Central Coast.
0: So you took the Star Hotels business and set up your own shop. So there would have been two shows running in Newcastle by Uh, then?
1: Well, and there was the wine bar at Hamilton as well. So there were three venues. Plus, I think there was an early gay bar at the Criterion as well that we used to go to out of the Disneyland, which is the gateway now. And then that's when Donnie Graham had 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 enough. If you know about Newcastle, you know about no more puffs at the Star. There was in the newspaper ads and that, that he got rid of the gays out of the Star Hotel.
0: So he actually advertised that no more gays in the Star Hotel? He could advertise, and, and they were reported to the advertising Standards Board. They were Puffed
1: at the Star, the Star's straight sort of thing. Yeah. It was in the Newcastle Morning Herald advertising because he wanted the pub to go straight. We're still doing shows and had enough and decided to have my tits out. So I'd already had him in, had him out, and had him in, and then, and then I had him out. Adam had them redone in the early 70s as well because they got hard on me. And then I ended up living as a boy in the late 70s, 78, 79. And um, I was still doing shows. And I'm still doing shows 40 freaking two years later. Wow. Mm. So I've been doing shows carrying blinds off since the late 90s. 97, I think, I started doing shows there. And recently, back to ago I did a bingo night at a Stockton Bowler. I do bingo these days. It's so much fun.
0: Big balls bingo—is that the one? That's it. A pretty cool name.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I, I give I give balls away. Get give a show and talk to people and give them lollies and all. You know, it's just a case of being friendly, not rude, crude, and disgusting.
0: Over the time that you've been doing the the drag scene in Newcastle, the changes have been pretty big. From oh, uh,
1: look after the star and pipes and everything. We had the Lucky Country Hotel upstairs. They had a big dining room, and one of the and Monique's playgirls used to work with us. Rita used to work with us upstairs. We used to do um, two-story now from the Macado in in full Chinese Headgears and 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 everything. Then that lasted a few years. The gay management Aaron sought me out, and I was the first person he came to because he knew everybody knew me. I was still working, and come and work for me. I went okay. So I worked at Unity for two or three years until it folded. Aaron used to be forward-thinking and always doing something to promote the place. And he had it where everything was fabulous. One of the Spice Girls in Newcastle. Aaron bought one of the Spice Girls in Newcastle, Mel B. Oh, really? Oh, for God's sake. Yeah, and, and I'm standing, because I was Dorby, I stopped her husband from coming in and said, excuse me, excuse me, you're going to pay to get in. It's not free here. And I got the trouble <laughs> stopping him at the, at the door. Um, because I didn't know who he was. And Mel B came in, looked at me, went, oh, you are beautiful. Oh, God, you are sweet. Thank you. And I didn't help me about five minutes to realize who just said it to me. I went, oh, for God's sake. And that was a celebrity VIP night and all that. So I said, we had a fabulous time at SJ. Oh, God, yeah.
0: And what did he that say was- when you said, no, you're not, you're not coming in? I got in trouble. Aaron, what are you doing, Brenda? Shut up, Brenda. Get away from the door, Brenda. Oh, God. You're just doing your job. But I was known by
1: everybody. Everybody at the time, like this is like nearly 10 years ago now, when you stop to think about it, oh, God, um, the last big gay venue in Newcastle, you may as well say.
0: What would be some of your advice for younger drag queens and kings? Pick a good number that you can hear the words,
1: understand
0: the words, and remember that you're the
1: focus of who they're looking at. So you play to the audience, you don't play to yourself. That makes yeah, sense. And, and if you listen to some of the songs that the young queens do, they're fine, but you can't understand a word they're saying because there's too much music. You've got to be able to be seen and people are looking at you. You're the centre of attention. And so what you do has got to be entertaining, not scary, not frightful, not abusive, not threatening to the general public. The general public is what you play to. I mean, I've been I've been in drag since I was eighteen. Do you know how old I am now?
0: I was going to be polite, not ax. I turned seventy two in the on the twenty second of August. Seventy two years young and still working. If you could go back and tell your younger self anything, what would it be?
1: Your, your sexuality is your sexuality. You Don't have to put in a category. Say that's enough. You are who you are and how you are, and that's the daddy. If people don't accept you as you are, they're not worth knowing. I'll oh, buy those bloody houses in Hill. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got off at a, a terrace house in Hill, which is still there, which is like a couple million dollars
0: for $47,000. Newcastle back then in that era was so progressive with the LGBTIQ+.
1: I worked for, for years and years and years with the AIDS uh, through ACON. Newcastle Gay Support Group, uh, we started many, many years ago. There's like friends of mine through the Star Hotel, so they started ACON in Newcastle. I put it, they all sat down and got together and put a submission into the AIDS Council and New up to start a branch in Newcastle.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: And that's only through people from the Star Hotel. And I worked in several of Queens over the years, worked to support and fundraise for the Newcastle support groups. We used to do shows at like Hill and Broadmeadow and everything for fundraisers and dances and everything over the years at, at Disney and Bowling club. So if it wasn't for friends of, from the Star Days, you wouldn't have a Newcastle icon.
0: So what you were doing doesn't exist in Newcastle anymore. So who do you think will carry the baton onto the future? I do shows for occasionally now at Newcastle Pride. Yeah, Leanne at yeah. Newcastle Pride. I've, I have
1: known Leanne forever for a day. I've done shows for over the years at Newcastle Pride. I did the first Newcastle Pride and put the show together for that, the Cookville Surf Club. But yeah, lovely, lovely people got their heads on right and doing, trying to do the right thing by the community, which is, which is lovely. The first ones we had with Newcastle Pride was uh, at the Cambridge. What a venue that was. We had nearly 800-plus people come through the venue that night.
0: Yeah, it's a huge venue, it that was one.
1: It lovely. I organised all the drag shows and everything. I went from room to room to room. It was exhausting. I was knackered. But it took such planning, and Newcastle Pride did that. The girls have got their heads together.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, if they do get the right funding behind them and all that moving forward, I think they're the saviour for Newcastle community because I think they can push and put something together, even a gay bar. Like, we haven't got a gay bar left at the moment, which is, is a real no, shame.
1: The girls have got it all together with the Cambridge, particular live venue for live rock bands.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the last ones. Yes.
1: We had the Wicker Park Hotel. We had the Gateway Hotel. We had the Wine Bar at Hamilton. We had Romeo's Center Restaurant. We had the Star Hotel. And like five or six venues.
0: It's a bit of a, yeah. a bit of a step back, really, isn't it, when you look at it yeah. from today's point of yeah. view? Oh, God, yes. Thanks again so much for uh, talking today. It's been a pleasure. I've learned so much.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Tom.
0: Bye-bye. If you love listening to LGBTI Conversations, make sure to follow. This will help other people find us much easier. And also, make sure that you never miss out on an episode. Thanks for listening to LGBTI Conversations with me, Anthony Doik.